0: Welcome to Stop, Hack, and Roll, a podcast about games about podcasts about games about podcasts.
1: You know, I've been wanting to write one of those someday.
0: Isn't that a little recursive? I'm Brandon.
1: And I'm James. And today we'll be talking about mashing up games in order to remix your storytelling. Well, I guess my experience of Dr. Magnahan's was I walked into a basement for the first time and someone handed me six pieces of paper that had (laughs) powers and or superhero concepts on them. I chose to be a sentient American flag and (laughs) we ran with it.
0: Yeah, you came in a little bit late. So Dr. Magnet Hands is a game by Grant Howitt. It's It's a really great, fun, quick, beer and pretzels kind of game. It's free, available online. Basically, you take six pieces of paper, you write a thingy on each of them, And then you go and you are superheroes fighting against the evil dr magnet hands james what you missed was the time where we were writing stuff down Mm -hmm. basically we didn't know you were going to be there that soon Mm -hmm. because you were stuck at work i was running late and stuck in traffic so basically the minute you came downstairs we were just like hey out of these four choose one of them they are your character let's fight dr magnet hands yeah i figured out where we were going pretty quickly it's not that hard of a game to get, which is, is it one of my favorite things about down, it. Everyone writes
1: down character ideas or powers on slips of paper, and then you mix Equipment them up and pass vehicles. them
0: out. Yep, exactly. Yeah. And so and then one person is Dr. Magnet Hands with his evil magnet base on the moon, mm-hmm. and the rest of you are superheroes that are going to face Dr. Magnet Hands.
1: Yeah. And so I was a sentient American flag. Uh, one of our friends was someone who was just unusually perceptive
0: yeah my wife was six chickens in a trench coat which i didn't know until the end because you hid that from me i thought they were just
1: a unique and odd trench coat man
0: yeah the moment that we realized that you were joining in uh you stepped upstairs for a second uh and all of us were immediately saying do not let him know that she is six chickens
1: Mm -hmm. um there was a gecko with 10 feet of rope there was a sentient cloud of uh, mosquito repellent a lady dog man who was a lady dog man
0: yes and we had a lot of difficulty figuring out exactly what that which words stuck most together
1: and then um an illusionist who was also a an An electrician yeah
0: yeah yeah it's a fun game it's quick it's easy uh if you're looking for something to get a bunch of people to try a role-playing game for the first time it's phenomenal yeah uh, it was definitely that, pretty fun yeah people that say that they hate role-playing games or don't want to try role-playing games or role-playing games are for geeks you can trick them into playing dr magnet hands
1: <laughs> i wonder if you could um oh no <laughs> Sorry, I'm getting ahead of myself and thinking about our topic. And one of the things that I love to come back to from time and time again is the idea of recursive role-playing games.
0: Oh, no. And,
1: and I was wondering if you could have a bunch of superhero characters do, like, a bottle episode where they play Dr. Magnet Hands in your superhero game, and then you would just play Dr. Magnet Hands
0: in character. In character. As... Right, so you are... Oh, so you're the lizard man who is playing six chickens in a trench coat? Mm-hmm. I mean, yes, you probably could. Yeah. <laughs>
1: It's an old gag from my original D&D group where the GM used to threaten us saying that he would, like, have us be running along on an adventure, and we'd come across a cabin in the woods, and then we'd look inside the cabin, and inside the cabin would be... He would describe the five of us sitting around a table as we were, and then, like, he would have us... And then then as we, our characters, would go to knock on the door, he would, like, try to have someone knock at our door, (laughs) and... It never happened, but it was a funny gag.
0: Yeah, that's that's classic of having the D&D characters go through a dimension where there are strange pieces of paper that people are looking at through optics.
1: So putting our, our horse back in front of the cart, today I think we are going to talk about using, using pen and paper games inside of other games or... Um intertwined with their games i'm not sure how exactly we want to explain this topic
0: yeah this is potentially a kind of weird one um this comes from the twisted mind of james wanting to put (laughs) games within other games and me being unable to say no to a crazy idea
1: one of the things that i that i do when I think about hacking games, is I think about, and it's a thing I've talked about in the past, is uh, taking the bits and pieces from other games that I like and merging them into games I'm playing. And and so I've had this kind of running theory that maybe you could just take a whole game and put that inside of the game you're playing in one way or another.
0: And I think there are definitely some games that would work better for that than others. Mm -hmm. You probably could stick GURPS in the middle of Traveler. Or you could play Traveler using GURPS. But there is no amount of money on Earth that could convince me to do that. That's not true. (laughs) Very small amounts of money would convince me to do that. But I wouldn't do it on my own. So, why don't I walk you through...
1: There are basically... Three kind of major ways that I've thought about doing this in the past, okay, uh, and hope that I can do in the future. Well, the first and easiest one is simply merging two systems, and, okay. and 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 the idea being, um, like the idea that I've thrown around in the past is playing real world characters who, as a part of the story you're telling themselves play an mmo or some kind of an online game or travel to a magical universe okay like the example that i've always wanted to do is characters in a real world who who like either get sucked into a fantasy world or are themselves computer hackers or like a matrix type situation so when they're in the real world you play a um a game like GURPS or D20 Modern or even D&D where you've got heavy rules maybe Shadowrun shadow there's a very like defined rules and mechanics for how things work really the thing that drives everything is like the harshness of reality but then okay. when you get into the the computer world they play in you switch to Fate or something lighter where the players have more narrative control because they're computer hackers and so like when neo goes into the matrix he has more control over the world around him because he's kind of a computer hacker
0: okay yeah i can see that
1: and so that all kind of comes out of throwing back to our uh our our sort of baked-in genre conversation um you can play with levels of complexity in game mechanics to reflect the world situation
0: yeah I could see even taking a game that has some level of magic or spiritualism in it and taking some time to say, all right, we're going to play a dream or we're going to play a prophecy. Mm-hmm. And well, that might be one rules. of my other types. Oh, that might be one of your other types. One of okay. my other, yeah. Jumping ahead.
1: Jump, Don't yeah, jumping ahead. But this way is kind of a consistent... There are two or more, I guess, primary rule sets. And depending on where the characters are at the time being,
0: uh, you use different rules. To so ref- this would... Yeah, go. So in that case, you definitely are playing with two different rule sets. You're not just playing yeah. the characters in the game or the no, characters no. in the world. Yeah. You're also saying... Okay, but then what happens when they go home from their land party? Mhm. And so you okay. pl- and and so
1: like the the um the story that I either either a matrix type story or like a Digimon type story, a lot of the Digimon like cartoons dealt with kids and they would go to school and have their sort of school stories and then they would at the beginning and end of the ep- or whatever, at some point in the episode go into the digital world and then have a conflict there and that would
0: usually mirror some of
1: the conflicts that they had in the
0: real world. I didn't watch much Digimon, because I'm a cool kid, so I watched Pokemon. Yeah. I did uh, but Narnia also, I think, is something yeah. that could work nicely for that. Sure. I've been looking for a game that does Narnia well for a while. Because in
1: that way, you could play a... a I mean, even just the, the idea of shifting games could even work with just sections of the, of the of one game. You could play mm-hmm. D&D without any of the magic, playing just, like, NPC classes... And then when yeah. they go into Narnia, suddenly give them the full-fledged magical character sheets. Or play D20 Modern or something like that.
0: That's pretty cool. That's, that's an interesting I liked, way I liked, to think of it.
1: Because the other thing that we kind of didn't talk about in the, the genre bacon episode is that another thing that comes along with the sort of lighter indie games that have the genre baked in is that because you're playing to a genre, you give your players more narrative control over the story. And so you can use that... And so that's kind of where I was coming from with... When you want to play in a magical world, wizards have more control over their world than you or I do have over the world around us. Right. And, and computer hackers or Digi Destined or whatever have more control over the world around them. Don't say
0: whatever. Like, you don't know exactly what they're called. <laughs> yeah.
1: Um. They have more control over the world around them because it's a digital world and they can control it. And so you right. can... If you find a if you found a a, any kind of a a cyberpunk fate hack or apocalypse world game you could use that as a way of of when the characters are in the digital world or in a in a computer simulation handing over some narrative control and letting them share the responsibility to reflect that their characters are doing the same
0: yeah even if it's just in order to prompt them Because there's really nothing that prevents you from giving tons of narrative control in D&D. Yeah. It just tends not to be people's instinct. Even if you're just behaviorally priming them to accept the possibility that they're allowed to do stuff on their own, that's potentially very powerful.
1: Yeah. A A lot of sort of lighter weight games, less complex games, tend to shy away from mechanically driven character death. You usually, your character dies when you you choose for it to be story appropriate. And there's usually a lot of ways to get around death in story games. And so it takes some of the threat of death away. If you're in a digital world where the threat of death is taken away versus, and you could use that as a way to tell a story where when the characters are in a digital world or in the the matrixy type world, they aren't as afraid of death. Uh, but when right. they're in the real world, you can throw conflicts at them where suddenly y- even you as the GM aren't necessarily in control because you're a slave to the the hard mechanics of the game. Okay, and, and I if can the DICE... definitely see that being, yeah. and if being the DICE... an interesting thing to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's kind of the first way I've been thinking about it. Just kind of not merging the two systems as much as uh, using one and then switching to another, and then using that dichotomy to reflect... Um, changes within the story.
0: So do you have specific pairs of games you would use for that for specific stories, or not really set in your mind yet?
1: Not really. I've thought a lot about using D&D or some kind of a D20 Modern, uh, and then switching to Fate, specifically. Okay. Playing that kind of matrixy hacker type game. But I also have liked the idea of doing either, kind of going the other way, doing Fate or something more lightweight and but but sort of playing a more modern or a more realistic setting game, and then okay. going into
0: a Narnia type world and playing D and D. Okay, I can see that. What jumped out to me was playing some kind of very light pass the stick kind of game that's very based upon doing. My thought, of course, is immediately for Narnia. But doing like a very rules-light, very low-consequence game, and then hitting them with Dungeon World as soon as they're within the magical world. Because Dungeon World can be punishing and really interesting in a lot of the dramatic ways that I would want it to be for that kind of magical world. Even just
1: switching between Apocalypse World hacks, you could almost play a long campaign starting in Monster Hearts, and then as those characters get older, switch over to Urban Shadows, because a lot of the archetypes are the same. But you could swap
0: back and forth. You could swap back and (laughs) forth,
1: telling two timelines.
0: Oh my gosh. Or delightfully, you could do a. introduce a major NPC, and then in Urban Shadows, and then jump back to Monster Hearts when they were introduced in high school at the prom.
1: Yeah. Like, there are-
0: That's awful, I'm totally gonna do that sometime.
1: (laughs) Between (laughs) stories like Narnia, The Matrix, and even like Alice in Wonderland, the idea of taking characters from one story archetype and then thrusting them into a different story entirely, it's a narrative archetype that frequently shows up in stories and fiction and fables and campfire stories. We love hearing tales about characters who are picked up from their world and thrust into another. And using. And, and frequently those characters go back and forth, which is why having a system for the initial setting would be interesting.
0: That's very true. And there are definitely some games that are aimed towards doing that within the game. Mm-hmm. Heroin by Ginger Goat Games is uh, one that's available. It's a PDF for less than $10 on drive thru. Wizard of Oz. It's basically <coughs> doing Wizard of Oz. Um, and I know that. A friend of the show, Jeff Stormer at Party of One, uh, has created a the visitor archetype for Dungeon World, trying to capture that same sort of thing. It's interesting. It's a good story style. Yeah,
1: and also the other thing, the other benefit to using a a lighter story game where the players have more control is that you can let them bounce off each other and build that sort of wacky Wonderland that is either Oz or um, Wonderland.
0: Or the Wild, it could yeah. be enormous yeah. and lots of different things. That, I've never played it... a game like that, to be honest. I
1: don't know if that's what you meant, but something like the Dresden Files has a whole like Fey universe, where, that, where you could play a different system when you yeah. moved over there. So that's it's something true. I've I thought that could about. Be very and, interesting. Um, it's kind of it, it's it's it feels a little bit like hacking, but at the same time, you're not really merging the two systems.
0: So what is the second way of doing two different games then?
1: Well, I think it's what you were kind of stumbling onto accidentally earlier, which is that as a way of kind of mixing things up or doing a bottle episode type show or like a wacky Wonderland type one at one off, you could just grab a different game, roll up all the same characters and then do one uh, like meetup or game session in a different system.
0: Yeah, that was that was what my instinct was with it. This is the one I was thinking of.
1: And, like, a good example of where you could use this to tell, or to, to enhance the narrative, is in the campaign podcast. They've done a couple one-offs where they are, where the characters are trapped on their ship, um, and there's some kind of a lizard monster or something in the vents, and then they sort of play, like, a, a more horror storyline, and so they switch away from Edge of the Empire, and they play Dread.
0: Yeah, I think Dread is maybe a perfect jump-in for this, because for really any game other than Tubo's magical wish-granting engine, you can justify pretty quickly saying, okay, but what if everything went wrong?
1: Yeah. And, And so you could either do... Yeah, you could... And so the idea is that if you find a... Like when you were using two games constantly... You want to find games that fit the narrative of whatever story you're trying to tell in the other universe. You can do the same thing like this. So in that case, they want to find a horror story. So they take a horror game like Dread or you could do an episode where everyone gets drugged up or gets poisoned or daydreams together and you play a lighter like fate system or something like that. Um, like a wushu type game to just move snappy and but have much less system and let things kind of get wacky and weird
0: or I mean even just if the focus of what you 're doing in the game is very different, if for example you 're playing a Star Wars game and you open an antiquing shop, yeah, and the players are really, really interested in following that antiquing shop there's no reason you couldn 't do that in fate, yeah, and do an episode that is Imperial Road what is that road it's this i don't know enough hg things but basically do like an episode that you're going around yeah selling antiques
1: yeah i mean and and like there are a lot of depending on the type of game you're playing there's a lot of tropes in in the television in television shows of many genres where you play where they'll do one-off episodes like uh community constantly did this where they would change genres oh, and so like how cool would it be to play to just like kind of d- not even really for a story reason, but just to mix up your regular D&D campaign. Roll up all your D&D characters in Noir World and just play a hard-boiled fantasy mystery detective thing.
0: That's actually a really interesting thought that I hadn't had. I was I was trying to fill in to make the rules hit the story I wanted to tell. But why not tell a wacky one-off story? Yeah, Like, if you have... A player that can't make it or if you have had a lot of heavy stuff and you want to just try something else new. i mean if
1: you're doing something like noir world noir world can still be dark
0: oh it's yeah, it's just absolutely. that you
1: because you're shifting the focus of that little episode or that session towards emulating that genre why not go grab that genre and then try to force your fantasy characters into it and then just play noir world in a fantasy setting
0: That could be quite a lot of fun. I'm picturing just barbarian thugs walking around and all sorts of stuff. That could work very nicely. That's a, that's actually a setting that I like in general.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And so like, you could try to find noir rules for D and D, or you can try to force people to play in that style and, or just everyone agrees to play in that style, but having a system and it will help shift your mindset towards the, those things. And because noir world is a genre heavy game, the system will help reinforce you, and, we'll back that up. and more of the shun- and more of the rules that are there will be force- forcing you towards that noir setting, whereas with D and D you've got all these other rules that have nothing to yeah, do. Yeah, maybe
0: you do a little, maybe you do a little bit of reskinning. Yeah. Instead of having, you know, a nine millimeter, sure. you have your your father's plus one Frostbow. short sword. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I was gonna have swords and everything. Yeah. But yeah, and so, <laughs> I've been wanting to like write a fantasy noir book for the longest time, and I just have not done it. Yeah,
1: it's good. Noir is a good genre. Good genre. Yeah. So that's that's kind of the second way I've been thinking about things. Okay. Um, either using it as a one-off to just sort of get out of your uh, your your regular grind, or to tell a specific type of story.
0: Um, this reminds me a little bit um, when I was in college. I was in a group that. A that played a lot of D and D, and like pretty much whenever a chunk of time went by, a couple of adventures, you know, a, a story progression, they would take all of the characters as they presently were, stick them in an arena, and fight to the death. Yep, we did that and, a little bit less formally. Yeah, and like you know, it's it's a fun, silly little thing to do, and it can be a little palate cleanser, or it can be a way to come up with new things to learn about your character if you're doing this in a more story driven game
1: yeah inserting a different game system as a one-off is definitely a
0: great idea for a good palate cleanser between yeah. big heavy campaigns i'm thinking uh looking at urban shadows it'd be very easy to hop back in time and do a monster hearts i love that it'd now i might be my new favorite idea uh, i kind of really want to do that idea we need to get a group together to do a consistent mo- uh Urban Shadows, so that we can drop this in. Yeah, but I could also see inspectors mm-hmm. being a super fun drop-in. You have you establish some kind of very ghostly thing, and then send your Ghostbusters in. <laughs> I mean, not your Ghostbusters, your inspectors. Yes, yeah,
1: and inspectors is a lightness system that you not the play same that thing. in pretty much whatever setting you want. True. Yeah. The the sort of the third way that I thought about using other systems within other systems is sort of a combination of both the other two ways, which is to take, to take either whole games or parts of games and use them to serve a very specific purpose in the game. And that would be either like we had talked about in the past, using something like microscope to build the world or, um, the one that I think, was a thing that you had said you had done once using Rory's Story Cubes as a way of dealing with um, the the passage of time.
0: Yes, I've done that as a... I've, I've used Rory's Story Cubes for a couple of things now. Um, I've used it among groups, among uh, some of the social skills groups that I've done. But also, uh, it's really nice in terms of Giving something that has happened and giving a basic idea of hey we don't care to go fully into this but what happened during the watch
1: yeah and we should say um, Rory's story cubes are they're dice they're six-sided dice and I think there might even be a game associated with them but I see them used for so many things that aren't its original game and they're six-sided dice that have little pictures on them they're great and the sort of the general idea of the way you play the game is you roll all the dice you look at all the pictures and then you have to tell a story that connects
0: all the little pictures and so I think they even have different themed ones if I'm not mistaken yeah there's a bunch yeah there's enchanted see. action
1: there's a, there's actually a ton of them there's enchanted prehistoria intergalactic fright Animalia mythic medieval rescue superpowers, wow. Batman, Doctor Who, Scooby-Doo, Looney <laughs> Tunes. I actually just bought a set of them for the first time. Nice. I bought the complete original set, which is the original set, the action set and voyages.
0: Okay, cool. And so kind
1: of the idea that that I think you had introduced to me was so your your party of of wayward wanderers has sort of um pulled up for the night they've made camp and rather than doing like dice rolls to figure out who's going on watch when or if there's going to be a random encounter you just have one of the players grab the like uh origin story set roll the dice and look at all the pictures and say tell a story of what happened while everyone else was asleep
0: yeah exactly because honestly i don't care if four gnolls came in the middle of the night but i'm just thinking of different like fairy tales that you could do where someone wander like you know the guy who's on watch sees some lights in the forest and he goes out to the forest and he's taken into the fairy dream world and lives there for a hundred years and blah, blah blah and the story cubes could lead you to that and then you can be back and say and this wild thing happened
1: and and because they're they're vague pictures there and and there there's a lot of different ways that you could hang on. And because they're vague pictures, you can interpret them however you want. And because you're not playing within the rules of your typical game, you can have your character tell the story of how they looked up in the stars and they saw this one uh, specific. Um, star sign and then they went off into the fairy world and tell a whole fairy world story but in the end they came back and shaved their beard and maybe the other players are like that sounds like
0: lies (laughs) you just made that up or didn't shave their beard and now the person is 15 years older and has a giant beard and that's amazing that's a cool story and you could
1: keep coming back to that and have that character then reference all these things but But they've chosen that
0: story to add to themselves. And that's kind of cool. Right. So you're not just saying, hey, you make up whatever you want to. You're saying, here are some things. This is going to involve a cave, a chalice, a map, and a photograph. Yeah.
1: And 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 so you're
0: saying... What do you do?
1: As the GM in that case, you're saying, I don't really care specifically too much of what happened. But something should happen, and you should have a cool story
0: exactly and, and it and... could be
1: real it could be fake it could be a dream it could be a prophecy but tell come up with something creative and here are these dice roll it and then be inspired
0: yeah i'm super bad at caring about fiddly little things like equipment and Dungeons the dragons also so if someone says oh i went to this thing and now i have a sword that's made out of crystal i'd be like yeah you do Cool. You rolled those dice. You earned it by rolling those dice and telling us of that story. And that's totally awesome. Yeah.
1: And then the other way I like the, um, sort of an addendum to that, another way that I like the idea of doing is, um, another thing that I like the idea of doing is there's like that, there is the specific voyages, um, thing. Yes. And so if you're trying to capture that really like Tolkien, uh, fantasy setting in really any fantasy game you're playing, like Tolkien, at least in my head, is famous for spending 30 pages describing the conversation the two characters had over uh, like breakfast and then yep. hand waving over. We climbed the mountain and fought three trolls and it was terrible, but the Eagle saved us <laughs> and whatever. In like in a paragraph. And so if your characters yeah. need to travel or you need to move them somewhere, give a couple characters, some of the, the story cubes from the voyaging set, let them roll and boom. Now they've got
0: that kind of hand wavy story. Oh, and you know, it'd be super fun with that. Have them tell the story as their character. hmm we we meet again at the tavern afterwards where they're explaining everything or now you're standing before the king of the elves and you have to tell the elf king how you got there
1: yeah and and the other thing i like about it is it it's not like i said it's not totally unguided you're being given some input that yeah. input is random but you're letting your characters tell stories and if you wanted to you can use those things as story inputs if your character tells about this wild night they had with the fairies, well, now you've established that there are fairies and that your characters are... that player at least is sort of interested in them. You could loop back around into that story and have your characters end up there again. And then the character who had that dream or whatever can be the guy who leads them through the fairy world because
0: he's been there before. And you're collaborating. If they say they went among the fairies and they got this crown that's magical, you can say, okay... And now you are marked by this thing, and that's super cool, because now the fairies can find you, and they might drag you back, and yeah. just have all of these things evolving in the same conversational way that all of the Apocalypse World games are supposed to be, because my entire world is Apocalypse World right now.
1: And so I liked the idea of taking sort of just not not full episodes, but sort of disparate story-telling sections and pulling them out and letting them be other other um, systems, like the story cubes, which isn't really a system, but it's kind of a way of incorporating a different game.
0: Oh, yeah, it's a little game. And I mean, if you were doing, if you wanted to do some uh, mass warfare or something like that, you could play a game of chess. Yeah or or uh, pull
1: in some miniatures you could or pull in some you, miniatures. Like, you could be playing whatever game like 7C as a whole system for you most of the time play characters but occasionally yeah. you get on ships and then
0: and then James gets out and, and then I have a whole bunch boats. of little
1: ships from when I used to play Pirates of the Spanish Main back in the day and we didn't actually play Pirates of the Spanish Main we used 7C's mechanic for that but you could easily right. have just actually played this the Pirates of the Spanish Main miniatures game and and maybe Pirates of the Spanish Main is better suited for playing fast-paced Spanish Main era like Pirates of the Caribbean era ship combat, and so you could say we're gonna trust this other game to play it a little bit better, and and shift it up.
0: And that, that'd be interesting, right? And it and until the stop hack and roll game about space fighting comes out, you could get that x-wing miniatures game yeah i've heard a lot of people if you're playing edge of the empire i've heard a lot
1: of people talk about doing just that
0: it sounds like it's a great system it sounds like a ton of fun and you've got i've played
1: a little bit of the x-wing miniatures and it's cool because you've just got these miniatures that that are spaceships and so i mean we as tabletop players are highly reliant on our imaginations for a lot of things but it and and for us story gamers, especially, we shy away from miniatures, but having miniatures every once in a while, especially when you're talking about sort of set-piece battles, can yeah. be
0: very helpful. Yeah, and honestly, I can picture things much better with miniatures if I'm doing something like a space battle mm-hmm. or doing something like a ship battle. Yeah. If you tell me, oh, the TIE fighter is to the northeast of you, and up four degrees at this many clicks. I've got no clue.
1: And when we played 7C, 7C has a system that does that, and we played, like, you could move a certain amount, and I was definitely able to make decisions about what my character was going to do piloting the ship a lot faster because I had that visual.
0: Right. You don't have to ask, wait, where are they again?
1: That's something else that I need to explore a little bit more. Pulling... Sort of mini games that do something really well, like Pirates of the Spanish Main is a very fun pirates mini game. Okay, and for people who know the rules, it can be it can move pretty fast. Right. If I was gonna play a pirate themed game, and. So it's like Seven C is not a great example because I think Seven C's ship combat is actually pretty good. But if you were gonna play just a, a, a an apocalypse world game that doesn't that isn't gonna have a whole miniature rule system of its own, it you might benefit from switching over to something like Pirates of the Spanish Main to sort of just be snappy and fast and get through that
0: and make it feel like quick ship combat. Absolutely. I think having the opportunity to make combat snappy is kind of one of the big things we want. Yeah. And so, if we're spending a ton of time trying to get real logistical with our Theater of the Mind descriptions, that doesn't really speed stuff.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's the one place that there are certain things that story games, well, not, I won't say story games, just games that don't use miniatures do suffer a little bit from which is if you're trying to do a heavy tactical game or if you're trying to do envision, even if you're not doing the tactics of it, or like a a Warhammer 40K-style hardcore tabletop game, just envisioning where two spaceships are in, in, in relationship to each other is difficult.
0: Right, if it matters. Yeah, if it matters. And in a lot of these games, it doesn't matter.
1: I mean, heck, even uh, just the whole... having the Star Wars miniatures on hand, even if you weren't going to use them just to sort of like play flying around each other... Could still be helpful,
0: yeah i'm one hundred percent on board with taking an X wing and a tie fighter and making them go yeah. wow like we all did as kids,
1: so those are kind of the three ways that I've thought about taking games and mashing them into each other <laughs> and and mostly it's I like there's a there's a <laughs> you're gonna have to hang with me on this one there's okay there's, this is a, a wild analogy i'm gonna I'm gonna explain to you there is in 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 DJing music.
0: You haven't lost me quite yet.
1: There's a theory of 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 mixing harmonically and and moving song from one song to another along this camelot wheel is is what I think it's called. Where you can if you move from a song that is in one key to a song that is maybe a certain number of octaves higher. Then it has the effect in people listening to energize them. Okay. Or if you do the opposite, you can shift down. You can and, and you can slow people down, mellow them out, and you can use that as a way of controlling the emotions of care of of the not characters of of real <laughs> of the of real people on a dance floor. And I'm not a real DJ. It's just something I dabbled with, and this is a sort of some theory I lightly picked up on. And so I've I've been thinking about how to apply that in gaming and how to either take emotions within a session or over the course of a campaign and tweaking them a little bit. And and obviously games are not the same as music. You can't measure the octave of a of a game, but you can look at our chart of complexity versus sort of a genre baked inness. And say, maybe if I switch from a heavy complexity game to a low complexity game, or from a heavy genre game to a low genre game, or the opposite, I can create a feeling in people. Like, the idea I had of moving from a a game where you're relying strongly on the mechanics, like a D20 Modern system, to one like Fate, where you, mostly the characters or the players are making things up, that will result in engendering a sense of control over the world around them and your players, which is exactly the type of thing you want characters in a Matrix setting to
0: feel. Right, yeah, absolutely. And even just in terms of choosing which games you want to be running, you should be considering what game has come before it. I'm just thinking, if you have been playing... If you play Annalise, then My Life with Master, then Dog Eat Dog... That's three real heavy, hard games in a row. Maybe you want to throw in something real real, real light at that point. I think that I think that's a tool
1: that as a GM you have to have in your toolbox. Either sort of in the longer term or in the short yeah. term. And and if you can tell that your characters are getting sort of dragged down into a, a deep story. And they're maybe losing interest because of how serious it's getting, or they're just getting depressed because you've noticed that your friends are really sad. <laughs> you can do a one-off story that's in a lighter octave to tell to make them to help them bounce back from those those darker stories. Maybe
0: Doctor Magnet Hands.
1: Maybe Doctor Magnet Hands in your is as a, as a it would be great to do Doctor Magnet Hands between our story arcs in masks.
0: Yeah, yeah, get real heavy with masks and then say okay now you are these ridiculous characters go
1: oh no say, play, oh, play the, the same, same characters, characters. Even. <laughs> just in a dr Hands world <laughs> play because well you could do it as a everyone starts with their own character but the what people are in the slips are different powers and so the characters have taken a potion that scramble their powers or something. oh my gosh
0: like that's a, that's a classic st- like trope in, sci- in uh, superheroes. Or it could be, like, the animated TV version of them, which is way, yeah. way less serious and avoids all of the matters of abuse and alcohol and all sorts of mm-hmm. scary things and is just... yeah, Yahoo!
1: And it fits in with the story of Dr. Megan Hands that this is a guy who keeps getting out of jail and you have to keep fighting him in his stupid base on the moon and then <laughs> he gets out, like, a week later and you have to fight right, him absolutely. again. And so every, like... Through the week you're playing masks, but then every other but then on the weekends you're playing <laughs> dr. Hands.
0: oh, that's fantastic,
1: yeah, which I think nicely brings us around to where we started
0: I think it does that actually worked quite nicely,
1: yeah so do you have do you have any other things that you can think of
0: uh for how to mash games together? well, we've also talked about actually hacking games together, but I think that's its own topic
1: mm-hmm that's i have been long working on how to mash apocalypse world and fate together and how to it will be a thing i do
0: and how to combine masks and urban shadows yeah
1: yeah masks and urban Shadows. not
0: in order urban to make shadows. monster hearts in order to make no mask shadows urban sha- or urban masks
1: a game of watchmen if you will
0: yeah yeah
1: who masks the masked men
0: who who masks the mask masks
1: yeah, so I think we've covered most of that, that topic that I, was, that I was trying to talk about of pushing games together. So why don't we take a moment and talk a little bit about the game that you ran for of Masks online with Meg and Jeff and
0: uh, Quinn. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think it went relatively well. Um, I hope people will check it out. It's on YouTube if you look up uh, Last Period Heroes or we'll put it in the show notes. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wimped out at one point. I was going to put a mouse in because I thought it would be phenomenally funny for me to do so. <laughs> uh and then something else that seemed kind of like slapsticky came up moments before, so I decided not to. Yeah. Uh but it really I went exactly with the prep that I'd come up with ahead of time. I had made two characters. I'd actually taken one character from the game, which is an existing in-lore character, and I'd come mm-hmm. up with a second character. And from there, it was basically just leaving enough of a hint somewhere that they get from the first character to the second character. Uh, and that seemed to work all right. And the three of them are just awesome to play with. They're so much fun.
1: Yeah, I, um, I'll i admit, I have not had time to watch all of it That's yet. That's fine. Uh, it is like three or four hours it's long. It's like three
0: hours and 45 minutes. We sat down for I the watched... whole day.
1: I watched a good part of the character creation on my lunch break that day, and I went back and I've watched a little bit more since, but I need to go back and finish it.
0: Yeah, uh, it ended up being pretty core masks. I had some thoughts initially that I might try to hack something or come up with some new stuff. I added like one little custom move. Well, next time. Yeah, maybe ne- next There's... time. Maybe it'll be something a little more crazy. Maybe it'll be telenovela world next time. Yeah. Did they? Did they ever throw anything at you that you weren't prepared for? Not really. Masks does such a great job of putting the stuff together. There was one moment that I had to kind of slow down and consider how the world might be different. I expected them to jump through a window or use their powers or get into the bad guy's base which was in an office Mm -hmm. building in a super heroic way and they elected to take the elevator
1: (laughs) so okay that's always a good way yeah
0: so i had to come up with a couple of little things and i ended up just kind of sticking in some silly little bits instead of doing anything serious there yeah but it worked all right i think yeah i'm
1: hoping that's a thing we can keep doing i hope so and hopefully next time i can be involved yeah
0: i would love it if you were and if we were able to play one of our crazier ideas
1: yeah i think we definitely like i would definitely want to play telenovela world Uh, i definitely want to play test some of our games Uh, i'd really love to have some of these some of the guys who are on these play tests come on the show talk about their um their their experiences with that yeah as sort of a follow-up to the game because some people might not have the time to listen to a four-hour episode of us playing Telenovela World, but might be interested (laughs) in how that playtest
0: went. Yeah, that's very true. And Telenovela World has now been completely rewritten twice. Um, (laughs) Oh, twice? Yeah, I'm coming to the realization that I think that my initial complete rewrite is going to slow stuff down too much. So, I've done a second complete rewrite.
1: Okay, well, we'll have to do another follow-up episode. I think uh, a lot of people have mentioned the idea that they liked. A couple people have mentioned to me that they wanted to sort of follow have us follow along with the progression of that game as it moves as it moves through its different phases.
0: Yeah, I'm I would very much like to get a copy of Telenovela World in front of our listeners soon. Mm-hmm. Uh you as well you know, and as I think I've said on the podcast, I intend to have it at Metatopia uh in November and november is closer around the corner i was looking at the the calendar today and it's uh we're we're in we're in august yeah i need to start figuring out i because i'd like to play test it before i ask people that have bought a ticket to play test it
1: yeah which actually reminds me uh while we're talking about sort of feedback and follow up from the community we had we were struggling last week or last uh two weeks ago to talk to come up with a a word other than modules for um points in the game that you could prep for and uh kevin bates who is at i am kevin bates he suggested that he had heard them called nodes before and i really like that
0: I really like that too. It really clarifies from modules, like the idea of modular nodes coming together in the way that you build yeah. It works. Yeah, and you can so shift well.
1: those nodes around. The nodes each have prep attached to them, and but you can slide them around and activate the nodes when you need them. Yeah, I I like that a lot. That is so. I'll probably better terminology. I'll probably use that going forward. Yeah, and so I think that about uh, wraps it up. I think so. So yeah, we love to hear from. Everyone, uh, feedback is great. I want to start a more regular section of the podcast where we talk about community feedback. We're kind of here to talk about games and the community and you guys are the community. So if you talk back to us, we want to echo that back at you. Absolutely. Uh, In an endless wind tunnel that is the gaming community. Just wind and and games. Wind wind and games. And so email us uh, is probably a slower but more reliable way of getting to us. Um, You can email us, either of us, at our names, James
0: or Brandon, at StopHackAndRoll.com. You can check out our website at www.StopHackAndRoll.com. You still don't need to say www. I like saying www. It feels folksy, and I like it.
1: All right. Well, the rest of you who are in the modern era, you can check us out on Twitter as well. Uh, My personal Twitter account is at EndTheMeltdowns. I'm at Dr. CaptainCobald we kind and we both kind of watch at stop hack and roll and that
0: makes it very hard to tell which of us is in, but we do our best and sometimes i talk to myself pretending like i'm having a conversation with brandon that was both of us that was both of us uh and we also now are officially on facebook so if you would like to show your grandma that you like stop hack and roll yeah or tag you your friends in an tag episode your if we talk about them yeah that's that's true uh mention people whatever um so we, we are now on facebook uh stop back and roll, and we're on G Plus stop hack and roll. Yep. Uh we're not on Tumblr yet, so please don't take that. Uh we're not on LinkedIn, so don't take that. But we're gonna try to get everywhere eventually. J- just try not we're to like a
1: slow pen and paper gaming Borg.
0: Yeah, just and try not to s- steal our login other places, because then we'll be sad. And we yeah. won't do anything about it. And then we just won't get that.
1: hmm So as you are sitting at your old timey Writing desk, thinking about how you're gonna mash two games together, or maybe you want to bring mech combat into your D and D game. Uh, don't forget to stop, hack, and roll. helicopters for me
0: when i played Armin, okay spoons or helicopters that makes sense of course what else would they be yeah catapults yeah catapults Ooh. wow let's
1: see what does a flight from hartford to indianapolis
0: cost welcome to stop back and roll the podcast where we try to figure out how to get to gen con next year